mess around right here on MPB Think Radio because it's Monday morning and that means it is Deep South Dining and today is National Barbecue Barbecue Day. Day. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff too. But before we dive into the queue and the dog, uh, there's a piece of pie in front of Java java's face and my face and we are indulging this wonderful deliciousness i I do have to say that this is a very wealthy pie this is a this is a witch a a very rich piece of pie this morning so we talked a lot about kentucky derby a week or two ago i can't remember whenever it was and we talked about the kentucky derby pies trademark trademark so carol (laughs) brought in a piece of home-baked kentucky derby pie for both java and for myself. So talk about it a little bit there. Carol. Well, Malcolm, mm. as usual, I'm a week late. Mm. Well. The, yeah, the Derby, I, I made this a week after the Derby. I had, um, you know, intended to do it for the Derby, but that intention was left with many other of my good intentions. Uh, we, we talked about this with Rebecca Wiggs, uh, who who is from Jackson and a native of Kentucky, and she called in to warn us, as she is a lawyer, right. that we were standing on shaky legal ground trademark. using the phrase Kentucky Derby Pie because it right. is trademarked. We could be arrested, I yes. suppose, and, 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 uh, and You know, Rebecca was trying to keep us out of legal jeopardy. But uh, I look, there are many, many names for Kentucky Derby Pie, mm-hmm. trademark, yep. um, including... Racehorse pie, uh-huh. Kentucky bourbon pie, many, many, many fast track pie, My horse pie. Which one did you use? Well, I used, um, it said Derby pie. Obviously, the person on this recipe did not know that that name was trademarked. I got you. But it, it's a really, really delicious pie. It, it, mm-hmm. In Kentucky, I think it's made with walnuts. Of course, in the deep, deep south, we prefer pecans, but it is a lot of sweet things all mixed together. Uh, you take your make your pie crust, mm-hmm. then you layer it with chopped pecans or chopped walnuts and chocolate chips. Wow. Then you make a mixture on the stove that includes you know, butter, of course, uh, corn syrup. It's, mm. it's the South. Got to have it. And, and anyway, you pour it all together and bake it, and there you go. And it's delightful. It's hard for me to stop chomping. Yeah, no, it is good. And I'm glad that we went with the pecan route. Yeah. Um, next, next, next year I'll make it that not the way. Not walnuts, but just like Carol said, you know, we like our pecans around here. Okay. Yeah. Next next week I'll bring in the mint juleps on, on Derby <laughs> Week. But Malcolm, yes. I am still reeling from the hot dog conversation last week. I just, I can't get over it. It just keeps on coming. Yeah, it was, um, it was brisk. Uh, and robust, and we even had follow up. We got a few. Yeah, and for those who were with us last videos. week, <laughs> we made we made one comment just in. We were chatting, mm-hmm. and you commented and asked me if I had seen Julian Brunt, who is from the coast, Biloxi, his, Biloxi, his post on 
hot dogs. He was what asking, yeah, condiment? what is your favorite condiment? Right. So all of a sudden, the phones start blowing up, and for the <clears> next 45 minutes, all we talked about was the dog. And rightfully so. And we, we were sent videos and comments. Yeah, and I, I wanted—I just wanted to report that I went out and had a dog this week. It had been many decades. I have um, shunned the hot dog ever Uh-oh. since childhood when, you know, with a family of six children, there were many, many hot dogs involved. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the early days, my mother would actually make mashed potatoes, cut up hot dogs, Oof. and put cheese. She said, you know, she had, uh, that was her way of stretching her budget. Right. And, you know, my brother Richard all these years later said, Mama, why don't you cook good like that anymore? <laughs> but <laughs> although I serve hot dogs regularly to John, I hadn't had one. So went to Flora Butcher and got the most wonderful hot dog. I'm converted now, thanks to our mm. conversation last week. But it is a Wagyu beef hot dog that he carries. Oh. This is our friend David Rains up in Flora. But he buys them in Nebraska from somebody who bought who has you know bought his beef for a long time. And they are absolutely delicious. Wow. But I used German mustard on mine. Ah, just I did mustard. not try. Yeah, I did not try the the other suggestions. Well, I, I'm sticking with my, what I submitted on Julian Brunt's post, and that is mustard, chopped onions, red onions, preferably, uh, and pickle relish. So that, for me, that's what does it. But we had other people who uh, commented. We had a video sent in. Um, we did indeed. Um, you know, uh, was it Bob from Tupelo who called in and and told us about a hot dog? He said that it a- had actually improved his life, that women fell all over him, his car ran better, he got better looking all because of this hot dog. And to me, it sounded like a hot dog in bondage mm. that you stuff inside a plastic tube in the microwave and i believe one of your neighbors i saw a whole spread in cooking and coping so tell us about it well i mean it's all there she videoed the whole process and who is she she's my neighbor she will remain (laughs) she wants to remain just in case (laughs) (laughs) so what is that thing called the the device you mean the hot dog bondage device yeah what's that thing called what, what I don't the hot dog uh, cooker the spiral cooker the spiral spiralizer I think is what it was called I don't remember and and what is the point of it being spiralized do you I think, think it exposes more of the meat to the grill and so you get a, a what a, even cook even cook <laughs> more char I don't know maybe it's more fun to expose the interior and your condiments sink deeper into the spirals I'm just speculating here. Well, it it looks like... Or just proves Americans will buy anything? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I think people are very, very excited about this. Well, she she topped hers with sautéed onions, but she sent us a video, and she took the spiralizer, and it's a little 
like a donut that goes over the hot dog, a little donut. You know, the mm-hmm. hot dog goes in the hole, and then you roll it. Right. You roll it and spiral. <laughs> you spiralize the hot. <laughs> well, dog. and there's a video on cooking and coping. She, yeah, she I'm just looking. I'm just looking exercise. at it. She she graciously uh, posted the whole exercise. So um, Ron from Tupelo inspired her. And he is the one that talked about the hot dog in bondage in the little plastic um, container that one gets on Amazon. Well, or, uh, I'm sure other places, other places. But I, you know, I look, I'd never heard of this, and there are many, many devices. Yes. Well, I was working in the archives over the weekend. You know, I've been getting all of my papers and collection and all ready to be donated to archives and history. And I was going through box after box, pulling out photographs and letters and all sorts of uh, clippings and, you know, periodicals and stuff. And I, f- I came across a piece uh, that Peter O'Toole, the great actor, had written about his discovery of hot dogs. And if y'all will give me the moment here, I will share it. Take with you. a moment. Okay. This is what he said. I came to the United States for the first time in the early 50s. In Europe, we had a rationing and little food from 1939 until 1955. Even after the war, food was still rationed. Then, when rationing ended, we were on restrictions in in terms of buying clothes and food. When I left Europe, meat was incredibly expensive, and the government meat program allowed a man 40 years old five ounces of meat a day maximum. When I first arrived in New York, I couldn't believe it. They were selling meat, huge chunks of meat, for nothing. And in the streets, there was these delicious-smelling cheap foods. We called it the passing parade food. Not junk food, but hot dogs, tamales, peanuts, hamburgers, all of it. And it was affordable. And when my, that's when my passion for hot dogs began. I can still clearly remember when I tasted my first hot dog. It was the day I arrived in New York. I bought it from a barrel vendor. I remember I asked for onions and some mustard. To appreciate that moment, you should know that I had never seen a real hot dog. I knew they existed, but it was the same sort of... But for us, it was the sausage uh, that we would get for an Irishman of raw pork or beef ground up and packed without uh, any sort of strange skin around it. The words to describe that first bite are elusive. Let me say it was, very simply, heaven. It was the nicest thing that ever happened to me on the streets of New York. Perhaps that is why, even now and then, my taste goes back to those early years for a beautiful hot dog. And that is from Peter O'Toole. So there you that have it. That is absolutely fabulous. So you just happened upon this in the archives of Helen Mills. No, these are my personal archives of things I've clipped and saved over the years. This was just an article that I found many, many, many years ago about a hot dog. And there it was yesterday. And I thought, hey, we can share this on Deep South Dining. Let's talk about synchronicity here, <laughs> that you ran into this. Oh, I wanted to share a post from Jason Gorky. Um, uh, Gor- 
I even know him. I couldn't say his name. Jason <laughs> Thanks, Gorski. Jason. I am so sorry, Jason. Uh, he's one of my my favorite cooks on cooking and coping. He's up in the Delta and just does beautiful food. But he sent us an email and said, the carrot dog third party confirmed. He was happy about that. And he said, I was dying. Ketchup on a hot dog, fresh out of the microwave. I rolled over in my grave. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> yeah, the we third thank party, you, Jason. The third party confirmed for the carrot dog. Everybody, I, I can't believe nobody. Carol, you didn't believe me. <laughs> well, it's kind of weird. I mean, you came in talking about carrot dogs one day. It is kind of weird, but it, it really was good to have that confirmation. I got it. I got it. All right, we got a uh, got an e- uh, email from a listener continuing to talk about the spiral cut. The spiral cut is common on the Chicago dog. Also, the ends should be cut in a cross. Sesame seed buns and coleslaw are mandatory. That spiral is easily done with a small knife while twisting the dog. From David Patterson. There's a little insight for you. Well, there you go. Who's going to be the first to try it? I guess it holds the, your, your, your the, what did he say goes on it? What's mandatory? For him, uh-huh. uh, it was... Um, Coleslaw and sesame seed bun. I guess it what it like it, it holds the coleslaw with the little slits. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, he was talking about the slit on the the wiener, the dog. Oh, on the yeah, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, so uh, we're going to take a little break here, as we generally do this time of day. Come back, continue to talk about barbecue and hot dogs. We didn't talk much about barbecue, but it is National Barbecue Day. It is also National Barbecue Month. So I think it's only fitting that we touch on the queue. But we'll be back. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what's going on in your kitchen or out in your yard on your grill. Since we have been talking about barbecue, are going to talk some about barbecue and a whole lot more about hot dogs. Give us a call, 1-877-672-7464, or choose an email to food at mpbonline.o. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Hit the road, but stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for more Deep South Dining right here. Carol Puckett Palmer, Malcolm White, Java Chapman. And Liz is on the phone waiting for your calls. And, in fact, we have a call. It's Wesley from Brookhaven. Hello, Wesley. What's going on? Hey, y'all don't know how to make a hot dog. (laughs) Tell us about it. You take a hot dog, split it down the middle, put it on a flat grill, heat it up, take it off, uh, do the same with your hot dog bun. Yeah. Put mustard on it, mm-hmm. uh, onion, pickle, either dill pickles or uh, relish. It doesn't make any difference to me. Well, and it sounds then, like you load it up. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm not finished yet. Oh, where's it going? <laughs> and then you take that and you put a piece of cheese on it. And chili, and then you 
got a hot dog. <laughs> How does one pick this up? I mean, Wesley, do you pick it up and put it in your mouth, or do you have to have like a giant platter with knives and forks? Depends on how thick and heavy it gets. One one time you might put it on a saucer and cut it up and eat it. Next time just take it with two hands and eat it. Wesley, do you have a certain kind of wiener or, or dog that you like? Uh, well, used to. We got them from Longhorn Packing Company, but uh, it's been years ago since I... Uh, was in Amarillo to get hot dogs from Longhorn Packing Company. Oh, so you used to live in Texas, did you? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. For many years. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing your variety of your favorite hot dog. And honestly, this is something people are very opinionated about, Carol. They are indeed. So I hope you have a, have a hot dog this week, Wesley, and think of us. Absolutely. Well, again, it is uh, barbecue, National Barbecue Day and uh, National Barbecue Month. So I think on the phone, Java, if I'm not mistaken, we have one of our favorites, Mr. Eddie Wright from Eddie Wright's Barbecue. Hello, Eddie. What's cooking? Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Man, we're good. We want to know what's going on on yeah, your grill. Yeah, got any smoke going? <laughs> Uh, today we've got a little bit. We're doing a little bit of a small catering opportunities for a few companies on this barbecue national holiday. We're doing a smoke rotel and a smoke cabbage platter for a small team in Ridgeland, and we're doing a tailgate cabbage composition for a small neighborhood gathering today. Tell us about the tailgate cabbage composition. The tailgate cabbage. This is one of our creations. I would. I won't take all the credit for it. We spend a lot of time at tailgates and HBCUs and football games and a lot of other varieties. Uh, you take a head of cabbage, you slice it down, um, quarters, get the core out. You break it down, you smoke it over pecan or your favorite wood or charcoal with a little bit of water on the inside. Then you pan it over after about an hour and a half. Then in that last hour, you're going to slice up your favorite protein, whether it be smoked chicken, smoked sausage, or smoked brisket, or whatever you prefer. Mm-hmm. Drop it all in there and just let it continue to combine and marinate during the entire process. And when it's done, that's what we call tailgate cabbage. Wow. So, so what kind of vessel are you when you say you drop in the protein? What kind of vessel is holding the cabbage when you drop in the protein? Um, because we do barbecue all the time, it's just usually a large or a half catering pan. Uh, we like to call these party pan dishes. Uh, you can put them in halves or holes, and they're good for any type of party you want to put to put on. Uh-huh. You know, I was watching uh, Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy last night, which I do on CNN on Sunday nights. Um, and they were talking about taking whole eggplants and putting them on the grill and grilling them and then splitting them open and eating the interior. Oh, that sounds delicious. With a little bit of salt and pepper. You ever do that, Eddie? I have not. I've never tasted an eggplant in my life. I'm not fearful of it, but I just haven't found the right way to cook them. But, hey, I'm up for the challenge these well, days. Well, being, yeah, being they're, a, they're delicious. And uh, the the dish in Italy, what's it called? Campanata? Campanata? that has. They were Umbr- They were in Umbria, this in Umbria last night. Okay, okay, that this sounds delicious a, a to me. Sort of a regional dish. Now of I've Umbria. grilled them. I've grilled eggplant with. I've sliced it across mm-hmm. and then grilled it with you know olive oil and you know they're delicious. Too. This is the whole thing, and then when it's done, split it open and just eat it out 
with a spoon. It was looked delish. <laughs> so, Eddie, <clears throat> with National Barbecue Day and National Barbecue Month, uh, do you have anything that, that is, is specific to your operation, or is this just another day at the grill for you? Uh, for us, it's just another day at the grill. Um, with it being National Barbecue Month, it really is picking up on the bookings and caterings for mm-hmm. us. Uh, we've got a very loaded week, so we're not fully able to celebrate today, but we'll most definitely be delivering a, quite a bit of barbecue this week for National Barbecue Month as we get ready to close the month out. Um, this is literally what I like to call the uh, peak time of the season where everyone's outside and everyone's looking for barbecue as their go-to item for their gatherings. And we're just here to deliver in the best way that we can. We had a guest on a few weeks ago who was, gave us a couple of really neat grilling tips. One was cleaning the grill with a big wad of uh, aluminum foil rather than the brush. And the other one was taking a whole potato, splitting it in half, and rubbing the grill to get it moist and clean before you put your meat on. What do, you, what, do you have any tips like that, or what do you think about that? Um, I, I'm very kind of weary against the aluminum foil, mainly because it's metal. And with aluminum foil being kind of fine the way it is, and me knowing that sometimes you get a lot of uh, buildup on those grills, it can tear that foil, and it, it becomes kind of a danger. The last thing you want to do is ingest a piece of metal. So uh. the, the, the foil thing I'm not a fan of, but the potato most definitely, I love that. Uh, I know some guys who use uh, half of an onion. Mm-hmm. and do it that way. Um, but before doing either one of those, I recommend using a nice, strong nylon brush to just go ahead and get your grill as hot as you can get it, about three, 450 degrees, up to 500, and just brush it down before you do either one of those. That way you get those, you get a lot of those layers of buildup off. That way when you put, it, put that onion or put that potato down, you're actually putting down like a base layer for your food to either season on or get cooking. Well, the nylon brush, is that like a grocery store product or a, a grilling store product? Long um, handle, short so handle? Long handle, short bristle. Uh, you can get it online at anywhere, any of your major online shops. Uh, I recommend the one from Grillaholics. They're one of my sponsors, Grillaholics.com. Make sure you use the right way when checking out, say 20%. Um, they have a very good high tensile strength nylon brush. It's very safe, long handle really fun to use okay so you and you are not a fan of the metal bristle brush no metal bristle brushes are you i'm a fan of them but you have to be very careful if you're going to use metal bristle brushes make sure after you're done scraping them down you rinse them off and inspect them very carefully because it only takes one strand of that metal to get into the human body to cause a lot of problems Hmm. well Better safe. You heard it here. Right. So <laughs> besides the, the grilling and the smoking, there's the sauce. And we recently, I've been gifted a couple of really interesting barbecue sauces. One was a strawberry sauce, and the other one was a watermelon sauce. Eddie, do you use any of these type sauces? you make your own or what? Uh, we do a blend of actually all three. We have our competition blends that we like to put together when we go to competitions. They're very fun. I can't tell you exactly what they are because they're secret right now. Uh, we have our main, yes, sir. We have our main one that we like to use. It's Mississippi Meat Mafia Sweet and Tangy. It's a very great sauce. It glazes over very light, nice. It tacks up really good with heat. 
And then we have our house made that we're kind of still experimenting with. Uh, has hints of vanilla, and we have a very exotic one that we uh, have a crown peach sauce that we're actually developing. Peach. Well. Wow. Yep. So you do like the fruit uh, sauces made with either? Yes, I'm very big on fruit and aromatics, whether it be vanilla, peach, cherry. I love the element of being able to get a nice citrus pop over some blends of barbecue sauce. Nothing wrong with the traditional, but yeah. I'm more of a, of, a, of a futuristic type of guy. I like to kind of push the angle, push the flavor palette, push the experience, because that's what I want to continue to do with barbecue. I just used a really good pineapple jalapenos barbecue sauce, and mm. it was delicious. And oh. somebody gifted me a raspberry chipotle, so I'm probably going to do that this week. But again, you know, fruit brings that sweetness without just a ton of sugar. It's just a natural right. sweetness. So what about this part, Eddie? Pairing the wood with the sauce. Do you Would you use like a uh, a pecan wood with a peach sauce, or do you even think about which wood, which sauce? Um, we do think about it sometimes. It just depends on what we feel like is going to give us the ultimate flavor profile for the food. What we're actually into developing right now are wines, wine, wine flavors with the food, which I think is going to be even the next step for us. Um, normally, we're just big on pecan and cherry uh, or pecan and peach. Pecan's our base. Sometimes oak if we're doing beef. But right now, we're working with a very close friend of ours who's a major distributor for a wine that's coming to town, and it's blueberry-based. Wow. They have quite a few different notes and flavors, and we're just kind of trying to develop those uh, and pair them with some of, bar- some of our barbecue ideas and see if we can cre- can't create something, something good, light, and tasteful. So would you uh, pair a cherry wood with a cherry sauce, for example, or is that just something that I'm just made, making up as I go here? No, it's, it's, something, it's, it's something that you can actually kind of think about. I would generally pair a cherry wood with more of a mellow sauce, like a vanilla-based or notes of vanilla, or something with just a traditional hickory mm. uh, content into it. That way you're not getting so much so much uh, citrus flavor and aromatic over the smell and taste when you bite into it, but you do get the presence of there. You can have too much of a great thing, so you want to make sure you counter it with something that's just as good and savory. Mm. So when uh, Eddie Wright takes to the grill just because Eddie Wright's hungry, what are some of your favorite cuts or, uh, or, 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 or different styles? Are you a red uh, man? I am a rib man. I am a ribeye steak guy to the core. And I'm just a fan of my own smoke rotel. Every time I make it, it is just really impossible for me. Tell not us to about it. For myself. <laughs> Our smoke rotel, we make over uh, ground turkey or beef. Uh, most prefer turkey because it's lighter. It doesn't sit on you as hard. Uh, but it's really one of the proteins. You can, you can choose the protein of your choice. Uh, you take your protein, you smoke it over your favorite wood, whether it be pecan, cherry, or competition blend, which is what we use, pecan, cherry, and oak. Seasoned up with your favorite rub. Once you get your meat browned and constantly turning it over every 30 minutes, you're going to add your rotel tomatoes, poblano peppers, onions, mushrooms. Uh, you're going to add a little bit of cream cheese and Velveeta, and you're going to let that just smoke over again. So you're Bottom. you're putting literally rotel dip on the meat? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Now, how can it's, that not be a, good? 
Exactly. And we take it a step further sometimes when we have a specialty dog called the Drama Queen Dog, where we take a country-pleasing sausage, we smoke it up, put it in a bun, and we top the ro- top, ro- top that with rose hell, smoke rose hell. And it's just <laughs> wow. an amazing, it's an amazing dish. Naps are complimentary with that dish. <laughs> and it's one of the, we make one of the only ones you can find in the state of Mississippi. Now, what did you call that? That is the Drama Queen. Drama Queen. And it's a dog, a sausage dog? Yes, sir, it is. What about hot dogs? We've been talking about hot dogs lately. What's what's Eddie Wright's favorite hot dog? Uh, Eddie Wright's favorite is a 100% beef frank, probably mm-hmm. Nathan's. Uh, Nathan. Slot dog style. We'll take a slot dog. Um, slot dog, it's not a machine, but it's more of a die. You can just press it over the top of the hot dog, roll it over, press it again, and it puts crosshatches front to back on the hot dog all the way around. Really awesome. So when you cook oh, it up. Now, this is different than the spiral cut, right? Correct. Who knew? Similar. Who knew there were so <laughs> many ways to cut a hot dog? There are so many awesome things you can do with a hot dog. When you do it as a slot dog style, this way it holds rub if you want to put extra rub on it with those hatches. And when it takes heat and it blows up, it makes an amazing pattern. We take that, put it on a bun, of course, we top it with smoke rotel and our favorite barbecue. <laughs> of course. <sauce> and, <laughs> and that's Eddie Wright's hot dog of joy. Now, Let's go back to the the device. What are you what are you call your slot cutting? What are you calling this? It's called a slot dog. Uh, slot. I grabbed mine slot dog. Yeah, I grabbed okay. mine from Grills in Mississippi on Highway 51 in Madison. Great team of guys. Go down there ask for Jonathan Huddleston or Tracy Tracy Hobson. They'll point you directly to it. Someone in their staff. It is a slot dog item, and it, it's pretty much idiot proof. Well, what about the? Dog. I'm sorry. No, I say it's pretty much idiot proof. You put it on the hot dog. It's Puts it down and you're ready to go. Well, I'm looking at it now. It's a it's like a one it's a one press thing. You just put it on the hot dog, and this is uh, you learn so much on Deep South Dive because I did I did not know that this existed, and this it it's, it cuts it up, and I can see how it. Like you said, Eddie, it holds um, like uh, some rub or something because mm-hmm. it makes like little pockets. Like I mean, right. hey, <laughs> well, Eddie, have you used the spiralizer before? The the spiral cut gizmo. I have not. I, cause, I guess mainly because I have the slot dog uh, mechanism, so I just kind of stand stand through that. Well, this is called the spiralizer grilling tool. Exactly. Uh, what else would you spiralize? I mean, uh, slot or spiralize. <laughs> Are there any um, other cuts that you would do this to? Uh, most definitely a smoked sausage. You can yeah. do that, too. Yeah. Um, breakfast sausage. Sometimes we've got a nice little tool that we use to make um, uh, breakfast dogs and, and pancake batter. So we do that. So that That's a pig in a blanket, isn't it? Pretty much pig in a blanket. Fancy, but, uh, fancy version. Pretty, pretty much the fancy version, exactly. And it's just one of those awesome tools, man. You can just kind of do it over any type of dog or sausage or even a red rose if you want to. It would be just, just fabulous. Red rose. Well, you know, I think we should call Java's kids. I think, mm. Malcolm, you know Java's kids. I and tell them Java. the perfect, uh, the perfect gift Day for gift. Father's Day is a <laughs> hot dog <laughs> slot dog tool. Yeah. So, Most Eddie, does it flatten the hot dog? No, it doesn't flatten it. Okay. You just roll it over the top and just be careful not to press all the way down because some hot dogs are not, unless you're dealing with like a quarter pound dog, if you're dealing with the real thin ones, you can press all the way through it. So you just kind of have to be careful. Just kind of press down on it gently, look wow. at it, and once you pick it up, turn it over and do the same thing, and you got 360, 360 degrees of crosshatches. 
So in two shows, we've unraveled the spiralizer and now the slot dog gizmo. And the bondage gizmo. The bond. well, I, don't, the, I don't know what to call it. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on out there. It's not your this is who not knows? your father's hot dog. Yeah, this this is so involved. Like wow, I, I'm truly I am truly amazed. Eddie, you have learned me something this morning. Hey man, this is what I am here for. <laughs> All right, well it's uh, time to take a break. Eddie Wright, thank you so much from Eddie Wright's Barbecue. Thanks for joining us and sharing all of your vast knowledge and your tips uh, on grilling and smoking and barbecuing. We appreciate you very much, sir. Thank you. All right, come again. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. We'll continue to talk about maybe hot dogs, maybe barbecue, maybe some summer salads. We've got a whole... And we never did, Carol, touch on the other national holidays. You know, it's the 16th is Mimosa Day. And yesterday was Chocolate Chip Day. And it's Cheese Souffle Day on the 18th. It's Devil Food Cake Day on the 19th. It's Strawberries and Cream Day on the 21st. Wow, we got a lot going on. We'll be right back with more Deep South Dining. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour. We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio or download it as a podcast. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Bucket Palmer. Hello, Carol. Good morning, Mal, again. Yes, we are still here. Live and on the air. Yes, we are. We're talking about hot dogs, barbecue. And it's National Barbecue Day today. And we talked about Kentucky Derby pie. Oh, wait, trademark. Right. Uh, Racehorse pie. Horse pie. (laughs) Racehorse pie. (laughs) And we appreciate uh, Eddie Wright calling in. We always enjoy having Eddie on the show. And in honor of National Barbecue Day, Java had pulled some clips from... Our friend Adrian Miller, who literally wrote the book on Black Smoke, called Black Smoke. And instead of playing the clips, I took the liberty of texting Adrian, who was in Denver, and you know, probably waking him you woke up. Woke him up. Uh, but yeah, the good yeah the good thing is we didn't want to tape. We wanted the man himself. So here he is. Good morning, Adrian. You're a great sport. Oh, good morning. How are y'all? I'm just kidding. I'm awake. (laughs) Have you had your java yet this morning? (laughs) No, I've I've had a nice dose of work already, so I'm I'm raring to go. But thanks for inviting me, reaching out. I appreciate you. Yeah, you you know, uh, we can't think of barbecue without thinking of you and, you know, your book. I think... We had you on the show right before it came out, maybe a few months before it came out, and then again when it came out. And Adrian, it's so wonderful to see you know what that book has done, and you know what you have done to elevate the culture of uh, African American barbecue. Yeah, you know, we are so proud. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and it got a Beard nomination, so um, a James Beard Award nomination. So next month, I'll find out. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, we'll be we'll be pulling for you. But you have literally been all over the country the past two years spreading the gospel of barbecue. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you have any plans for today for National Barbecue Day? 
I do, actually. So uh, I'm doing an event in Colorado Springs, and there's a chef named Brother Luck who has been on uh, Top Chef from the Bravo Network, and he uh, made some barbecue sliders that beat Bobby Flay. So we're doing a barbecue dinner tonight, and I'm debuting my own barbecue wine. Oh. Barbecue wine. Another Detail. reference to wine yeah. and barbecue. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, I teamed up with a black-owned, woman-owned a vineyard in California called Paula Harrell Wines, and we created the Black Smoke Zinfandel. Uh, Zinfandel is a great wine to pair with barbecue, so we're going to debut that today. So I'm excited. This is a very special barbecue day for me. Wow. Uh, tell us a little bit about Paula. Yeah, so uh, she is uh, in the Napa Valley in California. Uh, she has been um, making wines for, I want to say, for about a decade. Um, African-American woman, um, and uh, she, we got connected. I can't remember exactly how we got connected, but I just reached out to her, uh, you know, because I'm always hustling. And I said, hey, <laughs> would you be interested in, in making a wine uh, to pair with barbecue? And she said, sure. Well, that is really, really exciting. We, we just talked to uh, a pit master here who is actually making, is it a barbecue sauce? A out sauce, of, yeah, yeah, using of, wine. Huh? Yeah, out of mm-hmm. wine. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, right here in Jackson, okay. Mississippi. Okay. So, so what what meat or protein are you grilling for, for this this wine sauce that you're pairing with? So it's really interesting. So we're going to definitely do pork. Uh, so it's going to be a pork shoulder. Um, but this dinner is kind of a tour of American regional barbecue styles. So we're going to have some Carolina Q, some Deep South, some Kansas City, and some Texas for oh. different courses. Yeah. Wow, so you'll be featuring all these other regional styles of barbecuing. Right, so there'll be a different wine paired with each uh, regional style. Cool. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the Kansas City style. That's that's the one that that we know the least about around here. Oh, that's my favorite. Um, So I will say this. uh, The Kansas City style is definitely an amalgamation of different things because Kansas City was a crossroads town, a very important agricultural center. Um, So typically Kansas City is going to have various meats. It's known for brisket, pork spare ribs, chicken, mutton, Hmm. as well as ham, um, usually with fries, pickles, and white bread, and served with a thick, sweet tomato sauce. Um, and also, I don't care what anybody from Texas tells you, Kansas City is where burnt ends uh, really started to get prominent. Oh, those are fighting words. Yeah, that could that could really cause that some, could cause some that problems. Could, uh, dust up. That's why I said it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I know that mutton also is a, a barbecue tradition on the East Coast, maybe around West Virginia or Kentucky. Um, yeah. So what brings mutton to Kansas City, and how does that work, and what cuts do they do? So I think it's really because uh, it, uh, Kansas City was a major agricultural center. So you had a lot in, – in terms of getting meat out to the west, uh, Kansas City was one of the big markets where people drove their animals. And if you go back and look at early barbecue, it wasn't always pork. I mean sheep, pigs, cows, a uh, small game, all kinds of things could show up on the pit. Um, so I think there's a lot more mutton eating uh, going on than people realize. Um, and so mutton and also lamb ribs are something that you see in Kansas City. Lamb ribs. Uh, I, mm. Yeah, I love lamb ribs. They're, they're a little fatty. Uh, they're kind of on the greasy side, but, man, I just love lamb ribs. 
And and how how do they slice? And when you when you talk about barbecue, uh, barbecued mutton, what kind of is it? Do you pull it, slice it? What do you do with it? Oh yeah, you, the way I've always had it served was sliced. But I will say this: I'm starting to see more people, and you don't see it a lot, but I'm starting to see more people served it pulled. Uh, so you know they they just kind of bar, you know smoke it and then just kind of get in there and just kind of you know pull it into shreds. Uh, so it has kind of a, a pulled appearance, but I've had most of the time I've had it. I've had it sliced. So, are you going to do West Texas barbecue tonight as well? I don't think that. I think that's the one style we're not going to do. I think we're going to do more East Texas. So <laughs> um, the difference is, you know, a lot of the common ingredients, so brisket, pork, and everything. But East Texas tends to be chopped instead of sliced in terms of like presentation, and usually um, more sauce is involved. And also those uh, hot link sausages. So, Adrian, uh, tell us about chopped versus pulled, and which do you prefer? So, um, I like pulled. Um, just I, for some reason, I just like the texture of pulled pork, especially. Um, I like those long. I just like biting into long strands of meat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When I have it chopped too fine, it just reminds me of a sloppy Joe sandwich. Right. Yeah. Not to say that there's anything wrong with those, but uh, <laughs> you know, I just like a little more texture. Yeah. And I, I think you get more of a smoke flavor um, from the pulled. Are there regions that lean toward chopped versus pulled? I know Tennessee. Sometimes you can find both in yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, when I'm thinking about chopped, I'm thinking more of the Carolinas, uh, particularly the whole hog tradition of eastern North Carolina or the pork shoulders in the western part of the state. Um, and then in West Tennessee, you find more, you can, yeah, you find the chopped pork sandwiches and also as well as the pulled pork sandwiches. Um, the interesting thing is, though, when I look at Tennessee barbecue history, it looks like pulled is more, pulled pork is more of a recent thing. Hmm. Um, really? Have a deep, yeah, and I was surprised because I just thought it was from time immemorial, but it looks like it's more of the last few decades that pulled pork became a thing. Well, let's talk for a minute about sauces. So tonight you'll be doing the Carolina sauces and the whole range? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Eastern North Carolina sauce is pretty much vinegar, pepper flakes, maybe a few other spices, and then you add a little bit more tomato if you get to the western side of the state. I don't think we have a mustard sauce, which is, you know, something you see in South That is Island. wrong. <laughs> that is wrong, I Adrian. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and then we'll have the, the thin, kind of tangy sauces that you see in the Deep South. Um, and then uh, definitely we'll have the thick, kind of sweeter sauce that you see in Kansas City. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'll check in with the chef. I just went from the draft menu. I don't remember seeing a mustard sauce, but I may be getting that twisted. So I'll have to check in with the chef. I'll let him know you. You're <laughs> yeah. You let him know that Carol well, Puckett I mean, Palmer I did, wants a mustard yeah, sauce. Yeah, I did go to school and, and went to college in South Carolina and just fell in love with the mustard sauce and the hash barbecue that they do there yeah. with, with slaw. So I'm a little, you know, I'm a little biased on that. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of the mustard sauces. I didn't, you know, I just being here in Denver, we just don't see that very much. Um, yeah. Although that's changing because now a lot of barbecue restaurants, the thing is to make barbecue, serve it unsauced, and they have a range of sauces on the table. Right. And I'm, I'm seeing more and more mustard sauces on the table. So what's next for you? What's the next book? 
Um, I'm thinking about two things. One would be a history of African-American street vendors um, that would show off their inter- entrepreneurial skills and talk about how what they brought from Africa in terms of music, dress, and the foods. Um, and then I'm also thinking about a dining guide for difficult conversations. Mm. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay, give us yeah. a, 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 an example. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like how to have like a four-part dinner series. So, like, let's just say there's something going on in your neighborhood, and you want to bring your neighbors together and talk it out. Um, you know, potluck to open it up, and then how to have a structured meal series so that people feel like they're being heard. You can talk it out and maybe emerge with some solutions. But how to do it through food, just to show connection and build community. I thought maybe you were pairing divorce with a certain <laughs> dish. <laughs> But that's a great idea, Adrian, especially in these times when people are so fractured, you know, to have a way to, uh, you know, to bring us together and have a structured way to ask questions and, you know, speak your opinion. Yeah, because, you know, like like you said, we are fractured and there are just fewer places for us to come together and mm-hmm. the table is one of the few left. Yeah. Uh, I have a a good friend who actually starts every dinner party or halfway through the dinner party. You know, he has worked that day on a question to ask that, you know, evokes response from everyone. Mm -hmm. So you go around the table and he poses, you know, poses the question. And then, you know, you learn so much about people about how they answer the question. But the thing that I've noticed is the question itself is the important thing because you have to – yeah, address something that people have strong opinions about, and and mm-hmm. you know their unique opinions about. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, nope, absolutely. You know, Malcolm, when you said that divorce clip, it reminded me in Chicago. There's something called the mother-in-law sandwich. So oh. I think there's, I think there's a, an angle there. <laughs> Well, you know, conversations about budget, you know, a certain pairing, uh, you know, t- talking about the children one. in school, you got to pair that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, budget conversation is is cheap wine and or rock gut wine and, and cheap beer. So, Adrian, you're both. And red hot dogs. Black Smoke, you visited a lot of uh, African-American-owned barbecue joints. Is there a small list or a long list of places that you wish you'd gone or that you want to go or that you feel like you've got to get to sooner or later? Well, you know, because of COVID, I didn't get to hit Mississippi hard or Alabama. Um, so as I've been traveling more, I've made it to a few spots. So one place that was definitely on my list, which I made, um, I visited in Montgomery, Alabama, was Brenda's Barbecue Pit, um, mm. which has been around since the 40s. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hit more spots in Mississippi, but I just wasn't able to. But I finally made it to Drake's, um, and um, in Greenwood, and Drake's. I thought that was okay. really good. Yeah, Martha Foose is the one who put me on there. She would just like post their stuff on on social media and tag me. She's like, "When you coming, Adrian? You gotta you go here." <laughs> yeah. Do you know that? So place, I finally Carol? made it. Of course, she couldn't join me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Martha's busy. You know, she's got mm-hmm. a lot of projects. Yeah, but Drake's was good stuff, man. Yeah, that really was good. was that during your Memphis run? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, where do you eat barbecue uh, in Denver? Besides your house, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a couple of black-owned places that are um, newly open. So, there's one called Mississippi Boy. Oh. Um, believe it or not, that's pretty good. 
another place called Plates by the Pound in Aurora, which is a suburb immediately east of Denver. Uh, and there's another place called Stew Boys in the suburbs south of Denver. So um, a lot of the long-term, long-time black places have closed up, but we've got a next generation opening up. So I'm trying to sample as much as possible. Um, I want to just remind our listeners that if you want to follow Adrian on Twitter like I do, I really enjoy seeing where he's going and what he's doing. It's at Soul Food Scholar. Yep. And you can get the books at Lemuria. I'm yes. quite certain. Or any and Square Books. And Turnrow Books. books. Yes, in any bookstore in Mississippi. <laughs> Adrian, thank you so much for being a good sport and jumping on this morning. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for reaching out to me. I really appreciate you. It's always a pleasure to, to visit with you, Adrian, and we look forward to whatever your next enterprise might be. We yes, will... and happy National <clears throat> Barbecue Day to you. Absolutely. You as well. All right, Keith. <laughs> Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners like yourself, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. We appreciate each and every one of you listening, and particularly those of you who call. For my co-hosts, Carol Puckett Palmer, and our special guests, Eddie Wright and Adrian Miller, I'm Malcolm White. We say, if you would, stay tuned now for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we ask that you join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard right here on MPB Think Radio.